1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 13, and I have an announcement to make. Hold on. While they're putting that up on the board. And guys, I'll give you several scriptures. You can put them up. But uh, listen, something, something really good uh, in the making. Uh, next August the 20th, if the Lord has not come back, which he may very well have done. Amen. <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> you, know, in, you know, let's just stop a minute. I mean, we know that the Lord's coming is imminent. Amen. And it's a wonderful thing. Amen. But he, we also know that he hadn't come yet. Amen. And so if he doesn't come this week, I got to go out and live. Yeah. Right? And light bills coming through, whether he, if Jesus don't come back, light bills come through. Right? And taxes and rent and all that kind of stuff. And you're going to have to go out and live. And that's kind of what God wants you to do. God wants you to keep one eye on eternity, you know, but go on about your life and, and live and just live in anticipation of the Lord coming. But don't get so heavenly minded. You ain't no earthly good. Amen. Oh, all I think about is the Lord coming. Well, but I got bills that need to be paid, but I'm, that Lord's going to come so I don't have to pay them. <laughs> Listen, the joys of mission work has just begun. Jason and him are out in Oklahoma with the transmission out. Oh, oh it's exciting being a missionary. Oh, the thrill of being a missionary. So we're, brother over here is uh, called and uh, we're going to do what we've got to do to help them. We don't know exactly how that's going to be, but I can tell you this, we are not going to leave them stranded in Oklahoma. I do not want them being Okies. Amen. <laughs> Us hillbillies. No, I love Oklahoma. I'm just a, Oklahoma's a good state, but we're going to get them on down there. But he said that everybody's in good spirits, right? Uh, good thing God didn't call me. I'd have been down there, Lord, why is this going on? I'm just trying to serve you. <laughs> right? That's, that's me. I thought this is what you wanted us to do. And we're broke around with the transmission. I don't know what we ought to do. Yeah. And the devil said, yeah, I'll just go back home. Yeah. But they're in good shape and doing good. Amen. Anyway, next August the 20th through September the 20th, or thereabouts, there's a group of young people going to Alaska on a mission trip. Amen. And it is on. Okay. And so here's what Brother Job has already got back. And okay, Brother Brett, where are you at? Brother Joel, young Joel friend, this is Joel number two. These boys are kind of heading this up. They've talked to me this week earlier. They've talked to Job since. Job has talked to me, called me on the phone, and we're gone. And we're looking for as many as 20 people. He'll take as many as 20 people, maybe one or two more if it had to be. Uh, the bad news is you've got to be 16 to go if you're not, parents are not going with you. You've got to be 16 by the date of leaving, Okay. The good news is he doesn't want any girlfriend, boyfriend go, goings on while you're there. He says, act like you don't like each other while you're there or, or we'll send you back. Yeah. That's a big thing with them. They don't want no nonsense going on. They don't want to be responsible. So anyway, about what's the round trip ticket right now? Between 400 and $500. You'll be responsible for your own expenses to go. And uh, also, you know, adults can go. And if you, if you adults go, then you can take your kids with you. That's just all up to you, but you're responsible to take care of them. The things they'll be doing is passing out Bibles in villages, doing vacation Bible school with the village kids, construction on the church building addition, harvesting the garden. This is so much fun. Harvesting the garden toward the second week of September and soul winning opportunities and any other outreach pro uh, programs that come up. 
And uh, anyway, they've, uh, this is exciting. Listen to this. They'll, we have a wall tent with a wood stove for the guys. Amen. You guys always want to go camping, right? That's right. Camping, just think camping in Montana, Monta- Alaska. <laughs> and the girls uh, have, there's a large loft for the girls. And girls, they also tell you that if you have construction skills, you'll be a very welcome to help build. So you got to hammer it anyway. You'll get with these guys to about as far as any details about how much luggage to carry and so forth like that. But it's going to be a plane all the way in unless the last seven miles you have to walk in. Plane all the way to Seattle, Seattle to Anchorage, Anchorage to Bethel. And they're going to pick them up in plane possibly, but they may just pick up their luggage and let you all walk seriously seven miles to the mission deal. But that's not a give or take yet. I don't know, but I would just love to have a video of them guys walking seven miles (laughs) to the mission station. Amen. But you know what? It'll be an exciting time for you. I I, uh, talked to Brother Job this week, and uh, i tell you what, he's a good man. And we're on board totally with him. He he told me to tell the church how grateful they were and how encouraged they were by being here. And he just wants to thank you all for your support because we do have them on our monthly mission support now. But he just was excited to have people go. So if you're interested in that, you'll get a hold of Brett and Joel there. They're going to keep line up on who's going, whatever like that. And we'll just work through it as we go. If you have questions, you get a hold of them. If they don't know the answer, they'll get a hold of Job. And Job will get back to you and let you know. So that's on. And... um, uh, he is, and they're excited about y'all coming. So there you go. All righty. Okay. First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verse number 13. Brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Uh, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Man, when I think about God making a new glorified body, good grief alive. Never no sin no more. Man, you think about heaven, no hospitals, no nursing homes, no needles, no aspirin, no headaches. Danny, no headaches. You'd be for that, wouldn't you? <laughs> You're all on board. He's ready to get. And, you know, you just think about what's going to be. Return to what God is perfect before sin. Wonderful, wonderful thing. Anyway, then we were, verse 17, then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, if you were listening to a lot of preachers today and some people, you'd think, wherefore, have people all stirred up and worried to death that they're going to be in heaven looking for the Antichrist and not Christ. You listen to all this stuff out there say, And it's like, they're not even looking for Christ. No. We're to be looking for Christ, Amen. not the Antichrist. Yep. And, if you want, and if you want to have your peace taken away from you, just get involved in that bunch that's got you boogered to death about being in the tribulation. So, we're going to take off tonight. Here's something, first of all, God solemnly promises His people, His church, that, he, that we are not appointed to wrath. Guys, put up uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. And you can write these down and also in your Bible there. 
Verse number nine, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had into you and saw how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from what? The wrath to come. Now there's two aspects of the wrath of God. One in the Bible, the wrath of God is the eternal wrath of God in the lake of fire. But there's a wrath of God that is specifically dealt with in the tribulation period when the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth. And you read about it in the book of Revelation, chapter 6 through 18. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I mean chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> Let's go up here and we'll just try to keep moving pretty quick here. Uh, go to chapter 5 and verse number 9. For God hath not appointed us to what? Wrath. to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. He said, don't worry about whether you're still alive or whether you've already passed away. You're going to be with the Lord. And he's comforting these people with that. All right, now, and there's, I know there's a lot of verses that we're not maybe reading right out, but let's go. Uh, now we're going to go into something here about the tribulation period. Now, what we're talking tonight is about the rapture of the church or the catching out of the church, meeting Christ in the air, when is it, when does it take place and so forth. And I want to just give you some things that will comfort you and strengthen you in this pre-tribulational position. So let's look tonight at, at, the, at the tribulation as a time of wrath. Because if he says, I have not appointed you to wrath, then we want to find out, well, what is that wrath and what is he talking about? And he's talking about the tribulation period here. So let's go to Revelation chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. And we're going to just run through, and I would run through these with your Bible if you get a chance. It said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Right there it is. That's the first chapter in the, in the chapter 6, beginning of the tribulation period in your Bible. It tells you it is a time of the wrath of the Lamb. And you don't hear much about Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God, a Lamb, the wrath of the Lamb. I want you to think about that a little bit. The wrath of the Lamb. Yeah. And it is so bad, people are trying, crawling in caves and rocks and hiding from the wrath of the Lamb. Go to uh, Revelation 11, 18. Write these down. These are verses on the wrath of God during the tribulation period. It is a time of the wrath of God. Remember, there's a difference between the wrath of God and the wrath of man. Amen. Revelation 11, 18, the nations were angry and what? Thy wrath is come in the time of the dead that they should be judged. And thou shouldst give rewards to thy servants, the prophets, and the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldst destroy them which destroy the earth. <clears throat> um, but anyway, it's the, it's the, his wrath is come. And it's talking in the general sense of all the things that's going to happen. Chapter 14, verse number 8. Revelation 14, verse number 8. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she made the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And this gets into a big subject. And pray for me because maybe next year I'd like to go through the book of Revelation with y'all. Just start tonight. We're going to do an overview of it. But I'd like to just go through it verse by verse and uh, through it. But Babylon, there's, there's in the book of Revelation, there's ecclesiastical Babylon, religious Babylon, and there's commercial Babylon. There's two Babylons in there. And you go back in the Babylon back in the Old Testament, it's, it's a huge subject. Babylon's a big subject in the Bible. Verse number 10 in Revelation 14, that the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, 
Look at this, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. You go back to the Old Testament, it talks about the time of his indignation. This is the indignancy of God against the sinfulness and rejection of God of this world of his son. He should be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb. Verse number eight, we're talking here about the beast and, the, and of course the uh, mark of the beast, so forth. Smoke of their torment, ascendeth the up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Whosoever, whoso, whoso, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. You listen to me tonight. If you're not saved, and the Lord comes back, and you're left here, yep. whatever you do, die rather than take that mark. Amen. You take that mark, it's over. Yeah. It's, a, it's over. Amen. You will not be saved. I just hope you'll remember that. Verse number 19 of the same chapter. Verse number 19 of the same chapter. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of, all my, of God. And the winepress was trod without the city and the blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of 1,600 furlongs. This here has to do with the battle of Armageddon and the valley of Armageddon and the armies of the earth are gathered around there and when Christ comes back he will destroy those armies and the blood's going to run by, bridle deep to a horse in that valley. You're talking about a bloodbath. When he talks about, watch this, when he talks about treading the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God, when they tread the winepress, that that the, they call it the blood of the grapes would flow out of the wine press and flow down in. And that's what he's, that's the picture that God gives of that. It's, I mean, folks, it's beyond your comprehension how, how wild this thing's going to get. Let me just tell you a little something. God is going to avenge those who re rejected his son. Amen. And you've got two choices to either receive his son. If you don't, he said, if you're not for, with me, you're against me. Amen. There ain't no middle ground. You're not neutral. You're either for God or against him. And, and I just say that. That's the Bible. This, is, this ain't no little light stuff here. If you're not saved, I'd get saved in my seat tonight. I wouldn't even wait till I got done preaching. I'd, I'd say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. I don't want to experience the wrath of God. Let's go to 15, verse number 1. Chapter, Revelation 15, 15, verse number 1. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Let's go to verse number 7 in that same chapter. I'm just giving you the fact that this tribulation period, Revelation 6 through 18, is continuously talks about that it is the time of the wrath of God. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. Let's go to 16, verse number 1, Revelation 16. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying, The seven angels go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Verse number 19 of, of chapter 16. Verse number 19. The city was divided in three parts. The city of the nation fell. And great Babylon came to remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Amen. And, uh, okay. I, yes. Question. Yes. When they're talking about the blood being as high as the horse's bridle, is that just a measurement that all can understand, or is there horses involved in that? Good question. I, I take it for what it says. Yeah. Now, I, I don't, I, that's a good question, but I don't really have the answer to it. But I just take it, what it says, it just says it, and I let it stand on its own. Because I, I can't, I, I, don't, I really don't have your business diving off into whether, you know. I'll tell you, I'm going to go ahead and say this tonight. Here's, what, here's the big picture. If I was to go behind, behind the scene tonight and say, here's what's really going on behind what everybody's really seeing. 
you're seeing an alignment of Russia and China. Yeah. The Bible speaks in the book of Revelation about the armies of the east crossing the Euphrates River. Yeah. That's right. That's the Chinese. Yeah. And you're talking about the armies in the north. That's Russia. Yeah. And what you're seeing is an alignment of anti-Israel nations. Right. And World War III, here's the, it, World War III could be on a brink. And there's some people out here who are, who are you know, men who keep track of this stuff. And I mean, they watch this. That's their job. And they're, t they're saying they're, they're what they're afraid of right now. And the men that I have confidence in, they're afraid of the indecisiveness and the fiddle playing that Biden's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That he's inviting aggression by weakness. Yeah. Yes, trying to play both sides to everybody. That's right. Not taking a clear stand and saying, and so, but here's the thing you want to remember. Above everything is the sovereign hand of God. God is going to bring these things to pass and he's going to put people in power that he's going to use to bring these prophecies to fulfillment. They will happen. But I will tell you, the big thing I see right now is the alignment of China and Russia and Iran. When Iran plugs in, the bulk of your Islamic world is going to jump in behind them. Because when it comes down to fiddle and stop, see, we're Judeo-Christian. That's Judah, Israel, Judeo-Christian. Old Testament, New Testament. That's who we're aligned with ge geopolitically. The uh, Russians and the Chinese, they're both communist countries led by people who don't even believe there's a God. They're aligning themselves with the people who believe in a God Allah, their, their, their concept of God in, in Islam. And the whole deal is, is to benefit each other globally. And usually what you'll find out is when three dogs jump on three dogs and the three dogs put the three little dogs, then the big dog kills the other two dogs and eats them. That's how global war works. My concern is, is that we're going to mess around and, and have an ignition of, of global war, just from my little human standpoint, where Iran and China and Russia are allied against us and Israel, Canada, so forth. And you get past that and there's really not much power out there. England doesn't have any military power really to speak of anymore. It's not, it's not gonna be like it was in World War II. Germany, Japan's got probably more war power. Maybe, you know, where are we going to be? And here, get this. We're low on military stuff. We've, we've sent everything to Ukraine. That's right. And we're bankrupt as a nation. Amen. Uh, my son Nathan said over here, and Nathan, you know, he don't like, I mean, he's like his mom. He don't like me mentioning, but he, he understands, you know, I like to, uh, he, he gets to global economics better than I do. And he kind of keeps his finger on that. And sometimes we've had a chance to just talk about the debt of, of the United States and what it's going to do to the dollar and how it's weakening us. And we're, what are we right now? $23 trillion in debt. And the dollar, and Nathan, just to bother you, what's the deal about the dollar being shifted out from, a, if the dollar becomes not the worldwide currency? What's the move on that right now? It's trying to be dethroned as the reserve as the reserve currency. But, but isn't there an attempt right now to, to devalue the dollar? 
Absolutely. My ex China and Yeah, they got the three nations they put together China and all that. Yes, John. There's a group of uh, nations called the BRICS, B-R-I-C-S. They are trying to set up an alternative currency and move away from the dollar. They accepted another five or six nations into their group, and all those nations want to get away from using the dollar as their reserve currency. So there's a very strong move to try to get away from the dollar. And Kevin, forgive me, because I don't really get it. You know, the, the economic deal, I just don't, but I like to listen to it. Yes. Rich, and also now they're selling the oil. Everybody's paying yen or ruble to get the oil. That's right. India just now said that they wouldn't pay. They wanted to use U.S. dollar, but Russia's saying they'll only take the ruble or the yen. So that is the way they're trying to take it, take our money away, is by paying with oil other than U.S. dollars, because the U.S. currency is through oil. That That is where we have our standpoint. You take that away and there's nothing. Now you got Saudi Arabia that's wanting to join the BRICS nations. Oh, All I know is, if I understand it right, the, the idea is to break us by devaluating, making the dollar where it's not the international trade deal. Is that correct or not? It's, it's just, this is something behind the scenes. I don't understand the, the world economics, but I got enough sense to understand that, yeah, they're playing with this and if they, they would love to break us. Here's what really, really bothers me, and I know we're off subject right now, but this inflationary deal is dangerous. Yes, it is. Because if you had, just to give you an illustration, if you had $100,000 in the bank and you're getting 2% or 1%, one and a half, the inflationary value, the true inflationary value has been something what, like 13% for the last few years? Yeah. So that means that every year you're losing $13,000 of buying power. Yeah. Yeah. You leave that 100,000 in the bank for five years, you've lost five times 13,000 of buying power, the way inflation is working right now. Right. You're losing money so fast, it's pitiful. Right. And, uh, and so inflation is a, is a deal that eats up, and it, how does it happen? By printing money, right? They just print it. They just print it. They have nothing to back it. And another thing is right now, you've got the Federal Reserve, which we didn't used to have before 1913, and the Federal Reserve goes in and loans money to our, our government, decides they wanted to give uh, Ukraine or whatever it may be, $50 million, and we don't have it, so they borrow it from the Federal Reserve, and who, guess who gets to pay that off? Me. You guys. You didn't, even, you, didn't, you didn't even say you wanted to borrow it. They're plunging the, the nation into debt that cannot be serviced. I don't know why it's going to wind up because we can't pay it. We can't even hardly pay the interest right now on the national debt. And that's why you're seeing, that's why gas over here is, you know, boop, 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 boop. Your cars are going way up. Everything you touch and buy. How many knows that five years ago before COVID, just think what stuff was before COVID now. And this whole thing, anyway, you may get away from all that. <laughs> Sorry about that, all you guys. I, you know. Revelation 18, 3. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of fornication. Talk about there, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with their merchants of the earth, Babylon there. Go to 1915, and this is where Jesus Christ comes back at the end of the tribulation. And out of his mouth will the sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, he shall rule them with the rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. What I'm trying to get across to this night, this is not a funny situation. This is not just a lollipop deal. God is going to bring his wrath upon this world. And you do not want to be on the wrong side of this thing. All right. So now let's talk about this, the doctrine of the pre-tribulational rapture of the church. 
And this is to give you comfort. In the Bible, every, every New Testament doctrine, okay, every future, every New Testament doctrine has an Old Testament type. And if it doesn't, if there's not an Old Testament type, you probably not, don't have the, the doctrine down right. Yeah. When we talk about the doctrines of Jesus Christ, they're all in the New Testament. They're there by the tabernacle, by the offerings, by the feast. They're there by Joseph, great type of Jesus Christ, and many types of Jesus Christ. And so you find out whether you're understanding it right. Like if you want to understand salvation, and you say here in the Bible, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, place your faith in the Lamb of God. How are you going to, you go back to the Old Testament, they brought their lambs, the type, see, of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are types, if I say that the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation, I should be able to go back to the Old Testament yep. and find type, types and foreshadows that will support that. Right. And if I can't, I got a problem, but there are. Number one, I'm going to give you about four or five of these. Number one, Enoch in the Old Testament was taken out. Yeah. He was not for God took him. Right. And that when did it happen? Before the flood. The flood was the wrath of God being poured out upon this wicked world. That is a pre-shadow pre of the tribulation period. And Enoch was not for God took him. The Bible says in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, it talks about him. It said that he was translated. Yeah. He is a picture of the church being taken out before the wrath of God is being poured out upon this world. So there's one of your Old Testament typologies. The second one, a lot of people have trouble with this, one, but it's true. In fact, it, it may be a, a more close, closer type than even Enoch is Lot. I would, could, I, you couldn't convince me Lot was a saved man if the Bible didn't tell me so. Yeah, right. But the Bible calls him a just man and a righteous man. Not because he, he lived right, but because he believed on the Messiah. He was a believer. Yeah. And if you read his life very carefully, see what he was doing back there, you'll find that he knew, he believed. But he was a, he was a picture of the, of the Laodicean church, the apostate church. Yeah. living in the world, but he was a saved man, okay? Now, I don't mean that apostates are saved. I'm just saying he was a picture of backslidden Christianity. Yeah. God took him out of Sodom and then destroyed Sodom. Yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah is a picture of the wrath of God being poured out upon a rebellious people, but God took his people out first. He's right. That's a picture, and there's a reason for that. God didn't put that in there for nothing. He's telling you the way that he's going to operate upon believers. Esther is another foreshadow in the Old Testament. Boy, Esther, I'll tell you something right now. It's been years since I've preached on the book of Esther, I think. But Esther is one of the most amazing books in the Bible. It is probably the most chunk full of typologies of any book I know of in the Bible. Ahasuerus, the king, is a double type. He's a picture of God the Father, and he's also a picture of the lost man. Esther is a picture of the believer of the church of, of, of Israel, but she's also, but she has a double type. She's a picture of Israel, but she's also a type of the believer. Mordecai is a single type of Jesus Christ. Uh, Haman, guess who he's a type of? The Antichrist. There's even a guy in there by the name of H-A-G-I-E. He's a picture of the Holy Ghost. It's all in there. Everything in your New Testament doctrine is in that book. Now, Vashti, she was the first queen. She was a Gentile bride of the, uh, okay? 
and she was in a apostate, rebellious, I ain't coming out, I ain't obeying God. Picture the Gentiles. She is taken out of spiritual privilege. God brings a Jew in, Esther. Picture of the Jews returning to spiritual privilege here. Church going out. Right now, hey, let's just be honest about it. The church is in pitiful condition. Pitiful. But God's still going to take it. He's still going to take us out. Believers out. And there's, there's a lot to that. But Esther is a picture of the Gentile, the Gentile, Vashti, the Gentile bride being taken out. Esther being in place in. Then there's this. And I, I went over this with you before. But there's the order of the books in the Old Testament. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, and Psalms is a picture of the sequence of end time events. Amen. Ezra is a picture of the beginning of the return of the Jews to the land. 1880s. Nehemiah is a picture of the Jews in the land, building, reclaiming the land. That's what they did. Esther is a picture of the rapture of the church and the Jews being brought back into spiritual privilege with God. Job is a picture of the tribulation. 42 chapters in there. Somebody says, well, man, divided chapters. I'm going to tell you something. Man also wrote it down and God, God, God said what it's going to be. Yeah. Everything in your Bible is God ordained. I'm tr- I promise you. Amen. 42 chapters, three and a half years. That, that, that tribulation period is divided into two, three and a half periods. The last part is called the great tribulation. I told somebody before church tonight, he's talking to me. If you were to ask me, Reggie, when is this? If you could name a specific time that the day of the Lord starts, when would it be? And I would tell you the middle of the tribulation. And here's the reason why. The start of the tribulation there, the Antichrist is going to cause the whole world to think he's just Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he's going, to be pre, he's going to bring and produce peace and prosperity globally. And he's going to bring together a global community. Yep. It'll be a globalization, just what you're seeing. He's going to make a covenant with Israel. And they're going to rebuild their temple. I believe that. A lot of people don't believe they rebuild yep. temple. I do. Amen. And I'll tell you why, because Thessalonians says that the Antichrist is going to set in it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. How are you going to set the temple? Think one. Somebody tells me, oh, it's just our temple. No, well, yeah, I understand the, the, the analogy there, but, it's, but there's a literal temple. At the middle of that tribulation period, three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to flip on Israel. He's going to turn against them. Yeah. He's going to, his true being of who he is is going to come, come forth. And he, he, what he'll do is produce worldwide and since hatred of the Jewish people, he'll call all the armies of the world together around Jerusalem. And then that's when that thing's on. But, uh, and so you have Job as a picture of the last half of the tribulation, the great tribulation. Matthew, Jesus tells you, then shall be great tribulation such as the world never saw you know, before. Psalms is a picture of the kingdom. So you have Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, and Psalms, and they're just exactly in sequence of the end time events. So, there's uh, Ezekiel, the dry bones deals it. Let me give you a little something. In the book of Revelation, there's two men who are on the scene, witnesses. I'm going to tell you who I believe they are. I believe they're Moses, and I believe they're Elijah, because of the connection with them. One of them is able to produce blood, and the other is uh, fire. And we might even go to that tonight. 
But now we're getting ready to do something. I want to show you another reason. So I've given you these four Old Testament foreshadows as to why I believe in the pre-trib rapture, okay? Now I'm going to give you just literally the Bible and the book of Revelation. Take your Bible to the book of Revelation. And guys, I'd like for you to put up Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to just do an overview real quick. Revelation chapter 1. Now I want everybody to pay attention. I want you to write something down. Go to verse number 19. Go to verse number 19 and do this in your Bible. Now here's what God tells John to write. He said, write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. This is the outline of the book of Revelation. And you'd say, well, boy, I wish I could figure it out. But where's, where's that outline break at? The Holy Ghost is going to show you where that's at. Watch this. Go back to Revelation chapter 1. Verse number one. Give me the first word. The. Go to Revelation chapter two. Just Revelation chapter two. Unto. Okay. Revelation chapter three. And. Revelation chapter four. After. Revelation chapter 5, and. and. Revelation chapter 6, and. and. Rest your body. Revelation is and. So you see it there, chapter 1, any, any chapter that doesn't have and starting is the division. You got chapter 1 is the things which thou hast seen. Uh, go back to verse number 19. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 19. The things which thou hast seen, that's chapter 1. The things which are is chapter two and three, Amen. the church age. The things which thou shalt be hereafter is chapter four and on. Amen. And the way you know is because they all start with and within their divisions if they have any more chapters than one. Yep. You got chapter one, chapter four, uh, chapter one, chapter two, and chapter four, and that's your divisions, and it's given to you in verse number 19. Amen. Now, Let's look at the sequence of the book of Revelation. Chapter 1 is the introduction to the book. It tells you about Jesus Christ and it literally tells you about his revelation. Think about this. The book of Revelation means to reveal. It's going to reveal Jesus Christ. He's going to be revealed. Don't let, it, don't let anybody tell you, oh, it's a spooky, spooky, secret, secret. No, it's going to reveal. It's going to pull the curtain back and show you what's going to happen. And it's the only place in the world you can go to find out what's going to happen. And it's the revelation of... Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of St. John the Divine. Sorry. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. But it is what was revealed to John. All right. Now, so chapter one, you have the introduction to the book. In chapter two and chapter three, the second division, you have the letters to the seven churches. Okay. And you're in that time period right now. And by the way, those seven churches, if you'll study them, they're a, his, they're a history picture of the church through the last 2,000 years. And the last church, Laodicea, is the one that's neither hot nor cold. And they think they're rich and they're a mess. And by the way, guess what? Verse number 20 of chapter 3, when it finishes up, guess who's standing on the outside of the church who is not in the church, but who's knocking and inviting individuals, if any man, that's the condition of the church. Now, chapter 4 and chapter 5 is a heavenly scene. I want to show you something in chapter 4. So you have the church age in chapter, so, and you church, 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 seven churches, chapter 2 and 3. 
When you get to chapter four, I want you to look at it. Now, this is the beginning of your third section of the book of Revelation. After this, I looked. Who's Jesus coming for? Those that's looking for him. And behold, a door. Who's the door in the Bible? Jesus said, I am the door. You watch this figurative language here. Was opened in heaven. And the first voice, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 to 17, which is our text. Did you know there was a voice in that text? The voice of the archangel? Which heard, as it were, of a trumpet? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13, there's the trumpet talking with me, which said, what's it say? Come Come up hither. Did you know what this is? Anybody guess what this is? This is the rapture of the church at the end of the church age, chapter three. Amen. Going up to God. And chapter four is scenes in heaven. And chapter five is scenes in heaven. Yeah. All right, now, so you have those four and five is the heavenly scene there. It's the worship and all that. And we ain't going to take time just for time's sake. Now, chapter six starts the tribulation. Okay. And every chapter here, and that's the, that's the third section, and every chapter here on out, it starts with and. And the Holy Ghost is giving you exactly the breakdown of the book. Now, so chapter 6 through 18 is the tribulation. Okay? Now, I'm going to say, Rich, why do you say all this? In chapter 2 and 3, it's nothing but the church. Right. From chapter 6 to chapter 18... In fact, beyond even, the church is not mentioned one time. Because they're gone. Why? They're gone. They're gone. God is telling you straight up, gun barrel straight, they're not here. The church is gone. Come up hither. That's actual sequence of the book of Revelation. And uh, you only see the church again, I believe it's in chapter uh, 21, and it says to the churches. Okay, because he is telling the church this, but the church is not there. Chapter 20, uh, when you get into chapter 19, you have the revelation of Jesus Christ coming at the end of the tribulation there, chapter 18. Chapter 19, he comes back. Chapter 20, you have Satan bound a thousand years and the thousand year reign. Chapter, and then you have the, concludes with the uh, resurrection of the dead lost, great white throne judgment. Then chapter 21 is new heaven, new earth. Chapter 22 in eternity. God has a starting, God has an ending. This is how it's going to happen. Now, I want you to notice something. The church is never mentioned one time in the entire basic passages of Scripture of the tribulation in in your Bible. Not one time is it mentioned. What is mentioned? Twice is mentioned the 12 tribes of Israel, the 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe. They are listed in chapter 7 and listed in chapter 14. And they're going to be evangelists that are going to spread the gospel of the kingdom across the world. And it's all about Israel. It's about Israel. I'm sorry. Now, are there Gentiles on this earth? Yes. And are they going to be saved? Some of them? Yes. In fact, there's a multitude of them will be saved. The Bible teaches that they're going to give their life for their faith. I mean, it's a wild time. Um, As I said, from chapter 3 to chapter 22, the church is not mentioned. Why is the church not mentioned in Revelation 6 through 18? It's It's just not here. And God wants you to know that. And God also wants you to know that the church has been taken out. And now he's again dealing with Israel 
as prophesied in the Old Testament. What he said he would do, he's going to do now. What is God going to do with Israel during the tribulation period? He is going to bring them to Christ. Amen. Romans chapter 9, 10, 11, and he's going to graft them back in. Amen. And they're going to believe, the Bible said they'll look upon him whom they pierced. Right. And God's going to purify Israel. He's going to convert Israel to Jesus Christ. Amen. And when they become believers, buddy, they're going to become believers. And um, so they're not in the tribulation. The prominence in the, in the book of uh, in chapter 6 through uh, 18 is Israel, the 144,000. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but your Jehovah Witness friends are not the 144,000. And how many knows that they've quit Trump, they've quit parroting that deal because there's more than 144,000 Jehovah Witnesses now, so they've got to come up with something else. So don't let anybody tell you this nonsense, okay? Gentiles will be saved, as I said, but they're tribulation saints, not church saints. Church age believers uh, are more than overcomers. And in chapter 16, or chapter 13, and their tribulation saints are overcome, and they die for their faith. Um, tribulation is called in the Old Testament the time of Jacob's trouble. And uh, we go back to our text tonight in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the rapture of the church. The Bible says, comfort one another with these words. I am looking for my Savior, Jesus Christ, the, the bridegroom, the groom of the church. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. And I'm not going to honor him by casting fear and doubt in the hearts of God's people. Amen. Yeah. I want you to go to lay your head on your pillow tonight. And if the trump of God sounds while you're sleeping tonight, you're, you're going to be at the Lord. Amen. Now, let me tell you this. Somebody says, well, that's escapism. Well, let me, let me give you a Bible verse on that. How shall we escape yeah, yeah, yeah you, you got it. I'm escaping the wrath of God. Amen. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Amen. My escape is coming through Jesus Christ. I am going to escape the great wrath of God Amen. upon this upon, on this world. And we all go back. I want you to go back to John 14 verses one through six again, and we're going to close out tonight. And some practical applications for that. John 14 one through. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. What's that, receive you unto myself? He's coming after us. He is coming after us. That where I am, there you may be also. And that's such a wonderful passage of Scripture. Now, uh, I'll throw this out at you. In 1 Corinthians is another passage concerning uh, some aspects of it, the, the rapture of the church. 1 Corinthians 15 has so much in it. It talks about the different bodies, terrestrial, celestial, and all that, and uh, cor uh, corruptible and mortal. And so this mortal shall put on immortality. This, this corruptible, that's the dead, put on incorruption. We're not going there tonight, but let me say this to you. and they'll bring this up for a reason. In that passage, it says the last trump. And so people will say, well, Reggie, that says the last trump, and it looks like it's uh, uh, the church being taken out. And in the last trump doesn't to happen until you get way on in the book of Revelation. How many's ever heard that one? That's one that's out there. The problem with that is that when you go to that passage of Scripture they're talking about in the book of Revelation, it's not the last trump, it's the next to the last, it's the sixth trump, not the seventh. So they don't even get to the seventh trumpet. The real problem with that. The other part about it is that in the Bible, trumpets have different sectional things that when the, in the camp of Israel there was trumps, 
that called to be gathered for worship. There was trumpet sounds for war. And you got to go through those trumpets to understand what you're talking about. I don't claim to have all the answers to that, but you can't just take that one verse and shoot it into thing and try to blow apart the whole doctrine of the rapture of the church with, with, with that. And, and the idea that, that that's the last trump in the book of Revelation does not fit because you go back there to the come up hither and I'm getting out of range here again with Moses and Elijah and the two witnesses because they die and they're resurrected and they're taken up. And then the seventh, because see, they use that as a picture of the rapture. But that's not the last trump and they won't tell you that. They'll leave that out and hope you don't, and they hope you don't spot it. Okay. Okay. Uh, just going to give these things and we're going to get out of here. Uh, what's the purpose of preaching on prophets? Number one, God's got it in the Bible. Amen. And he said, preach the whole counsel of God. That's right. Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy in the New Testament. The Bible's a book of prophecy. And uh, got prophecy, but here's some things. Number one, God wants us to know what he wants us to know. He hasn't told us everything, but he does, what he has told us, he wants us to know. He says, study it and know it. He wants us to know it so we have hope. Amen. It builds our faith. It gives us comfort. It gives us steadiness of mind and heart in the midst of a crazy world. Amen. Let me just tell you something. I'm not depending on the United States government to take care of me. Amen. I'm looking for my Lord. Amen. And I'm trusting in Him. And God does not want you shaken. Now you kids listen to me tonight. I don't want you laying in your bed tonight worried about the second coming of Jesus Christ unless you're not saved. Amen. If you're saved, you do not need to worry about the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to take care of you. He, he bought and paid for you. You're his. You belong to his. He's going to take care of you. Amen. Do not let Satan torment you laying in bed at night. Now, if you don't know whether you're saved or not, get up out of bed. Go and knock on your mom and daddy's bedroom door and say, Mom, Dad, I need to talk to you. Amen. And I want to make sure that I'm saved. Amen. Because let me just tell you something tonight. Husband, you're not saved. Your wife is saved. She's out of here and you're left behind. That's right. Yeah. Kids, your mom and dad's saved. You're not saved. They're out of here. You're left behind. Right. This ain't some kind of spooky story. It's just the facts of it. Amen. And, uh, but if you're saved, you do not need to be worrying about it. Right. This is why God told you these things. Because the last thing you need, you know what we need in this day and time? Is steadiness of heart and mind. Yeah. Confidence in the Word of God, assurance, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. We don't need our pills. We don't need counseling. We don't need all that shrinky stuff. I've got the Word of God. God hath not given us the spirit of fear of the, of the tribulation in the Antichrist, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And your children, by the night, parents, your children need to see stability in you. And when they have fears about the future or what's going on, they need to know about what God has told us and rest in that and have confidence in that. Secondly, it is to give us hope and comfort and, uh, and not to be shaken. Thirdly, a study on prophecy in the second coming of Christ, the Bible teaches, will purify our lives. Do you know that if you live in anticipation of Jesus Christ coming and you, you know you're going to face God in judgment, you just might live a little cleaner? You just, you just live a little closer to God because you know, you know He's coming. How many of you kids know when, when mom and dad gets ready to come home, you straighten up? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Amen. It's just that simple. 
But if you think mom and dad's going to be gone forever and you don't care, tear the house up. <laughs> but somebody pops up and says, here they come. <laughs> you start getting everything put up, right? The whole idea is that if you live in the light of the second coming of Christ, that it, it'll purify your life and cause you to live closer to God. And that's a good thing. And uh, it causes us to live with eternity. It kind of sets your affections on things above. You're not going to be here forever. I'm coming back. There's going to be this thing going to wind up, end up. Set your affections on things above. Lay your treasures up in heaven. Right. Live for eternity. And uh, fifthly, the coming of the Lord should motivate each of us to evangelize and to witness to people. Yeah. Are you ready for the coming of Jesus Christ? It's a good question to ask people. Ready for the Lord to come back? I asked a man that here a, a week and a half ago. I said, are you, are you ready for the Lord to come back? And he said, no, not ready. People, it's on people's minds. And it's a great evangelistic tool. Just ask them, say, you know, the Lord's coming back. Have you made, have you made preparation for that? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? And sixthly, is your personal destiny. Where are you going to go when this thing winds up? Where are you going to be? Yeah. And I hope and pray that you've made Christ your Savior by faith, believed on His death, broad, and resurrection, believed in His shed blood for your sins, and trusted Him. And let me just tell you something. Don't let the devil shake you. God said He'll save you. He'll save you. He ain't joking around. He ain't playing games with you. He's not, he's not tormenting you, flopping around. God's good. Amen. So that's it tonight. And uh, uh, yes. That scripture says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that he is not to be ashamed, rightly providing the word of truth. That, that may be a paraphrase, but I think that's what we're doing. And today, right after the service, Terry Coates asked me, well, did you get all that? I said, no way. And I said, you know, your mind just gets so much, and then I'm going... You're, you're adding more and more, and I can't even get it all in there. But then I, I also balance that, and I'm trying to think about all the other churches in the United States. They're getting a superficial, making me feel good and happy day, this or the other. We need to hear the truth. We need to know what these end times are all about. We need to know how these things are aligning themselves. Otherwise, you're walking around in a fog and just have, I have my faith and I know I'm saved. And, but there's so much more that we're gleaning from the truth on that. And it's not a feather in the hat, you know, or anything like that. Yeah, just, the truth about it is there's, there are a lot of, there are a lot, a lot of churches that are teaching the truth on this out there, more than we'd probably think. You don't hear it much out because a lot of them are not, they're not like big, well-known, but there are a lot of preachers out there that are, you know, and by the way, you know, studying this kind of stuff, you don't just get this in six months. You know, it's accumulative over time in the search of Scripture. And I will tell you all this. It wasn't until this week that I settled down on the issue of the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. And that was only through comparing Scripture to Scripture and looking at every possible thing I could and coming to that conclusion that these are one and the same, except one is for the believers and one's for the world. And... It's also a proof of the deity of Christ. So there's a lot of things comes cumulative over time, Don, but I appreciate your encouragement. And my deal is not to strike a bunch of fear in us. Unless you're lost, you ought to be scared because you're facing the wrath of God. And it's, it's going to be the wildest thing you've ever seen in your life, I, I tell you. Um, anyway, anybody else got something that you maybe want to just throw out or whatever? And let me say something tonight. I, I started to say this to you. Oh, wait till we get into the tribulation itself. If you think there's a lot of, oh... There's, there's a lot of things I don't have settled down. 
in the book of Revelation, there's situations that I don't have. Uh, chapter 12 is a big bother to me. I know that the moon, the sun, and the stars talks about Genesis 37. By the way, let me just say this. When you're studying, always connect. Go back. Let's just do this for a little bit of fun. Let you out and just say go, go to Revelation chapter 12, and I'll show you about this and, and how it works. What I'm trying to say, Brother Don, is I don't have the answers to everything, and I'll, I'll admit that. And, you know, I, don't, I will say this. I fear the Lord, and I do not want to teach wrong. Because I'm going to give an account of what I'm doing. Right. And I want to be right and I want to help, help everybody. In Revelation chapter 12, look at this. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon, under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. How are you going to know what that is? You're going to guess? No. How are you going to know what, how are you going to know how to, how to quote, interpret? But you don't interpret. You right. compare scripture to scripture. How many knows this is in the Bible? There's an answer in the Bible. I mean, does anybody here know where it's at? Yes. I don't know where it's at, but it's Joseph. It's Genesis chapter 37. It'll tell you what this is. That's how far back you got to go. And here's what your forefathers did. They weren't watching NBC News. They weren't listening to KTTS. And they certainly weren't watching the phone. Your ancestors read their Bibles, and when they would read a passage, they read it so much, they would they'd start picking up, oh, I read about that back there. That's why in your old Bibles, you had those center columns with just dozens and dozens of references. And what they started doing was, was writing references down. Now, if you don't rightly divide the word of truth and you read your Bible, you can take something like this and you ought to hear all the quote ideas of what this is right. out there. And those, a lot of those guys are big name guys and they don't even, it's like they don't even know that back in Genesis it's going to tell them who it is. Go to Genesis chapter 37, 9 and 10 and it'll tell you who it is. Genesis 37. This is just, a, it's a great, just, I'm just giving this to illustrate about how to study the Bible, how, how to know for sure what, what, what we're talking about. And uh, verse number five, we can hit verse number five, Genesis chapter 37, Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren and they hated him yet the more. Of course, you know, Joseph, picture Jesus Christ. And he said unto them, I have pray for you this dream I dream. For behold, we were binding the shields of the field. I, I want you to jump on down to verse number nine, 10, just for sake, time's sake. He dreamed yet another dream. Behold, his brethren's and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, here it is, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. Hmm. And he told it to his father and his brother, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, Watch this, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my mother and thy brethren indeed come bow down ourselves to thee, the earth? Who's the sun, the moon, and the stars in there? Israel. Amen. It tells you. There's no question. I don't have to go to some commentary. Right. I don't have to ask some theologian. It tells you who this is. And did I not tell you earlier that the tribulation period is about Israel? And there it is in chapter 12, specifically taking you back to Israel and this dream that Joseph had, who was, who was, who was Joseph? He's one of the, one of the 12 yeah. <laughs> sons of Israel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just bam right there. Solid as a rock. And uh, now let me tell you where I don't get it. And if you got this, you could help me out. 
Look at chapter 12, Revelation. By the way, verse number two says, and she, okay, woman Israel's called a woman, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon. Now we know who the red dragon is because you stay that out, that's Satan. Amen. Having seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns upon his head. Start going back to the book of Daniel right here to, in order to get any of this. And his tail do the third part of the stars of, of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, there's something I do know is that that sun and moon and stars, that woman that's re represented by the sun, moon, stars and the, so forth is Israel. And I know that the child Jesus Christ came out of Israel. And I know Satan tried to destroy that child. Yeah. Now, I know that much. But that's about as far as I can go with that passage. <laughs> but again, one of the reasons I'm even showing this is because this when you're in chapter 6 through 18, you're dealing with Israel specifically and the Gentiles outwardly. But you're specifically dealing with that. And uh, verse number five, look what it says. She brought forth a man child who is to rule all nations with the rod of iron. Who in the world would that be? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ came through the nation of Israel. Yeah. Go back to Genesis chapter 37. I want to tell you what, this book is nothing like it in the world. There ain't nobody in the world could have wrote this stuff. God Almighty had to do it. But I, I'm going to say to you, I don't understand all of this. I can tell you this, that Revelation is written in sequence, but the sequence moves. Sometimes you're in heaven, on the earth, under the earth. And I mean, it, it just, it's just pretty wild. And I, I'm not going, I don't think it's necessarily complicated, but you, you do have to spend some time lined out. And I don't have it all lined out. I mean, I, I don't sometimes remember what I said five minutes ago, much less. What am I trying to tell you tonight? I don't have all the answers. And I'm not going to preach something definitively unless I've got it locked down on my soul and my heart and my mind. And there's, there can always be those things. So I don't want anybody, I'm not some know-it-all. Okay, I just want you to know that. I don't like that stuff. Somebody, yes? One, you might not be able to figure out exactly what this is, but you can figure out what it's not. Yeah. It's not Mary and it's not the church. That's a good way to go about it. At least, I, yeah. He, he just nailed it right there. Many, many commentaries will tell you that that's the church and it's not. That's Israel. You check your Bible, you go to Genesis 37, tell you, and that's a bad deal because what they're doing, what are they doing when they tell you that's the church? Replacing Israel. Making the church its own savior. Bad stuff. Self-righteousness, religion, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, had a lot of fun, didn't we? Hope y'all, now I'll tell you what, if the Lord doesn't come next week, who wants to, if the Lord comes this week, I'm going to be gone. Who wants to take preach for me next week, Sonny? <laughs> <laughs> the Lord comes and I'm gone. Who wants to take, take care of the pulpit? Don Zinn. Okay, Don Zinn will be taking care of the pulpit. <laughs> Let's stand. Be dismissed tonight. <laughs>